0: Colossians chapter 4 this evening Colossians 4 we've been in this epistle for some time But we'll be closing it out this evening Colossians chapter 4 If you're familiar with The epistles that Paul penned that are attributed to him in the New Testament You'll know that often in the closing of his letters Paul Speaks of some of his ministry partners Some of those individuals who had Partnered with him for the ministry to which God called him. God called them In fact last week in chapter 4 verse 3 we saw where where paul asked prayer Not for me But for us Paul asked the church at Colossae to be praying for him and those who had partnered with him in ministry that they would be effective in their ministry even as he was imprisoned. And at the end of Colossians, as he did in so many letters, Paul identified several ministry partners and their profitability to him And to God in ministry. Again, if you look over the course of the epistles attributed to the pen of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, you'll actually find that throughout those letters, he mentions over 100 ministry partners that were profitable to him and to God in ministry. And I want to pause, even in introducing the message this evening, to remind us of a truth. Listen very carefully. Ministry is never an individual endeavor. And it's never done in a vacuum. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? God does not intend for an individual to carry out a ministry on his or her own. And, in the same way, God does not intend for ministry to happen within an individual's life apart from relating to and ministering with and among and to and for other people. Ministry is not individual, and it's never done in a vacuum. Ministry, according to the Bible, is a cooperative effort done with, among, and for people. It's never individual. It's never in a vacuum. Many of Paul's references to ministry partners include specific ways that they participated in the ministry and how they profited him and god through ministry Now if we were to take a quiz this evening I mentioned that in all of his letters over 100 ministry partners are identified We could all identify the apostle paul in perhaps some some ways that he benefited God's ministry, but I wonder how many of the ministry partners we could name And the way that they benefited ministry. We might be able to pick out a couple here and there, but there's over a hundred listed throughout these letters. What a truth that God uses many in ministry. God through the pen of the apostle Paul identifies ways in which these Profited Paul and the Lord through their ministry and that's what stands out to me in Colossians 4 7 through 18 There are eight ministry partners Mentioned in these verses and I want us to read the, the passage to discover what Paul said about these profitable partners Colossians 4, beginning in verse 7. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, They shall make known unto you all the things which are done here Aristarchus my fellow prisoner saluteth you And Marcus sister's son to Barnabas touching whom ye received commandments If he come unto you receive him and Jesus which is called justice Who are of the circumcision These only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God which have been a comfort unto me Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea, and them in Hierapolis." Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea, and Nymphos, and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul remember my bonds grace be with you amen as we read through that passage and these eight ministry partners that paul mentions here that were profitable for him in ministry what quality or qualities stand out from these ministry partners that made them profitable for paul and god in ministry faithfulness stands out as the prime quality Faithfulness uh, it is the quality that made these ministry partners profitable Paul says of several of them that they were faithful Jesus identified faithful as a crucial quality of his followers As he spoke about the signs of his coming, he addressed the state The lord should find his servants in Listen to matthew 24 45 and 46 who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to, them, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Jesus spoke of those who are faithful and said a blessing will be upon those who are faithful who remain faithful even unto the coming of the lord then in chapter 25 jesus told a parable the parable of the talents and you may remember that as jesus shared the parable of the talents he identified faithfulness as the quality that would stand out of the servants who stewarded the talents well that God gave them. In fact, the blessing pronounced upon them would be, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Listen, friends, being profitable to people and God in ministry necessitates faithfulness. The reality is that we cannot be profitable as God wants us to be without Faithfulness. A pastor of many, many years ago by the name of W.B. Riley Told a story of a man who walked the streets of Philadelphia searching for employment And one time he happened to be passing the office of the well-known businessman by the last name of Gerard Gerard actually was one of the presidents of one of the Philadelphia banks at the time of his death he bequeathed uh, wealth and property totaling $6 million to this, the city of Philadelphia. And by the way, this was in the early 1800s. If you're not sure exactly what that means, today that $6 million would be worth about $200 million. And by the end of this week, it'll be about $300 million, the way inflation's going. He, he was a wealthy man. Well, this man searching for employment came into his office and asked for a job and gerard answered him Sure, I can give you work. See the pile of bricks out there Take those bricks carry them to the other end of the yard and stack them up Well, the man went out and did that gerard told him come back tomorrow Well, when he came back the next day gerard said you remember that pile of bricks you moved from one end of the yard to the other Yes Go and move them back to where you brought them from. This went on for an entire week with Gerard having this man move the bricks from one end of the yard to the other and back to the other side. And the man did it every day without complaint. And so by the following week, Gerard gave him a new and bigger responsibility to go downtown and bid on a large quantity of sugar. Well, not recognizing him as being from Gerard's business, people at the auction were surprised by him bidding on this sugar for Gerard, and, and his bid won. And when it was accepted, the auctioneer asked who would pay the bill. And the man replied, well, Mr. Gerard, I am his agent. From that faithfulness of that week of simply moving the bricks from one end of the yard to the other, Gerard hired this man as one of his personal agents. You know, it's amazing what faithfulness in menial tasks will accomplish. And that's what God desires of his servants, faithfulness. Do you remember Jesus said, "He that is faithful in little will also be faithful in much." And it is only to those who prove themselves faithful in little that God gives much to be faithful in. As we look at these ministry partners that Paul speaks of that exemplified faithfulness, there are several qualities of faithfulness that they demonstrate. As we end this letter penned by the Apostle Paul to the Colossian believers, I want us to mark nine qualities of faithfulness. Yes, I said nine But we won't be here all night. I promise Nine qualities of faithfulness that made these partners profitable to god and paul in ministry The first three of the nine are demonstrated by tychicus and onesimus in verses seven through nine I want you to see number one. They demonstrated faithfulness to carry the word Paul at the time of the penning of Colossians was in prison in Rome, and Tychicus and Onesimus were there with him. But Paul, in closing the letter, uh, showed that Tychicus and Onesimus would be making the journey from Rome to Colossae to deliver this letter, and also to give more details uh, of Paul's report, how he was doing to the believers. They would literally, in carrying Paul's letter, be carrying the word of God from Paul to the Colossian believers. You may remember back in Colossians 3:16, Paul exhorted the believers at Colossae, and we are exhorted to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And we're to do this for the purpose of exhorting and encouraging each other. Paul says that we as believers in Christ should demonstrate faithfulness in carrying the Word. No, not a physical copy of the Bible everywhere we go. Paul exhorts, let the Word of Christ dwell in your heart. Friends, everywhere we go, we should be carrying the Word of God in our hearts and minds, ready to share it with one another and others outside of Christ. Let me ask you a simple question. When was the last time you used the word in conversation with another believer? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Why? So you can encourage and exhort one another in the word. When's the last time you had a conversation with another believer and the word was part of that conversation? Let me ask you this when was the last time that you had a conversation with someone outside Christ and in that conversation You conversed about the word You see partners that are profitable in ministry are faithful to carry the word we should be number two They demonstrated faithfulness to serve the lord do you notice how paul spoke and described these two he he spoke of them and called them faithful that word means trustworthy They were worthy of trust and responsibility because they loved and were loyal to Jesus Paul said that they were ministers the word literally means to serve or be a servant It's the word from which we get our word deacon from but it's not always used at of the office of a deacon You see the reality is the deacons should not be the only servants in the church We should all in love serve one another Paul said they were fellow servants. The word means co-slaves. It means to be a servant or minister of the same master. Tychicus and Onesimus served the same master that Paul did. How did Paul often describe himself? As a servant, a doulos, a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said Tychicus and Onesimus, they've made themselves slaves of the same master I have. They partnered together to serve the same master. What a reminder to us that in whatsoever we do, we should serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. You think about different areas of service even within a church ministry. Some of you might serve in the nursery from time to time and you see that is service to parents of young children who need a place For their young children so they can worship and hear from god Undistracted and certainly you're serving those parents and those children, but it's also service to god You serve in a children's ministry or in a teen ministry. You're serving the children, the teenagers, their parents, by coming alongside them to reinforce what they should be teaching their children at home. But that service is service to God. Service to the pastor through support, encouragement, assisting is service to him and his family. But it's also service to God. Service to the church Through any capacity is service to the church, but it is service to god You see we serve in a variety of ways and we serve a variety of people, but we ultimately serve god We serve the same master And so let's partner together To serve the lord faithfully Notice the third quality of ministry They demonstrated faithfulness to comfort the saints Look at what Paul said of Tychicus again there in verse number eight He said as Tychicus came he would comfort Your hearts The word literally has the idea It identifies the activity of coming alongside of someone else to support and to strengthen them The reality is There are many people who are hurting Experience brokenness They're fallen, they're discouraged, they're weary. And we should come alongside those who are hurting, fallen, broken, discouraged, weary, faithfully come alongside to support and strengthen our brothers and sisters experiencing that. Well, how does this look? Sometimes it looks by simply being present, being with someone. Sometimes it looks like just listening Sometimes it looks like praying for and with them Communicating, giving, sharing encouragement Directing them to others where they can get the help they need Sometimes that's all it is Coming alongside to encourage, to support, to strengthen them And that's what we should do faithfully with one another Notice fourthly they demonstrated faithfulness to stay the course. Look at verse number 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluted you. If you know anything about Aristarchus from the Word of God? Maybe you've heard his name. He's one who demonstrates faithfulness to stay the course. We learn from other passages of Scripture, such as Acts 19 and 27... That Aristarchus was a Macedonian from Thessalonica who was with Paul when the Ephesian mob seized him. He was also with Paul when Paul set sail for Rome, and he's still with him here in Rome as a prisoner. And in fact, there are some who, who say, who suggest that Aristarchus, to be a fellow prisoner with Paul, would have had to make himself Paul's slave. To earn the right to stay with the Apostle Paul. Either way, what faithfulness from this man. With Paul through times of danger, with Paul through times of trial and hurting. You remember the list Paul gives in Corinthians about all the things he experienced. Aristarchus was there for a lot of it. And he stuck with the Apostle Paul. What limits do we have on faithfulness? Well, when it reaches that point, that's where I stop. Where do we draw the line? Do we have a line? People who are profitable to others and God in ministry stay the course, and that's what we need to commit to. Number five, they demonstrated faithfulness to return following failure. They demonstrated faithfulness to return following failure. Can I be very clear about something? Sometimes faithfulness means that you fail, but you get back up and get back at it. Anyone here perfect? No, me either faithfulness sometimes look like you're imperfect you fail but you get back up and get back at it that's demonstrated by the person paul calls in verse number 10 marcus who is this marcus is the same person known as mark who who penned the gospel according to mark he's the same person in the book of acts known as john mark what do you know about john mark Paul and Barnabas took John Mark with them on his first missionary journey. We don't read it about about this in Acts during the record of the first missionary journey, but when Paul and Barnabas got together and they started planning out the second missionary journey and they began talking about who are the ministry partners that will be profitable to us that will take with us on the second missionary journey. Barnabas said, "Let's take John Mark." And Paul said, No! Not taking him. Why? All we know is John Mark went with them on the first missionary journey. From the record of the first missionary journey. But now we learn something new. At some point during that first missionary journey, John Mark got up and left. He went back home. We don't know why. The Bible doesn't reveal. But it's obvious by Paul's response that... He wasn't real impressed with it. John Mark had given up. He had forsaken them. He had walked away. He had left. But praise God for a Barnabas who's an encourager, who's willing to look at someone who has failed and give them another opportunity. But Paul wouldn't have it. So much so that that Paul and Barnabas separated. The contention was so sharp between them, Acts says, Paul takes Silas, and they go one way. Barnabas takes John Mark, and they go off another way. But something amazing happens. Here in Colossians, Paul says to the Colossian believers, Marcus might come to you, and if he does, receive him and listen to him. Later on in 2 Timothy, the last letter, chronologically speaking, that Paul penned shortly before he was martyred, Paul wrote to his son in the faith Timothy and said when you come to me bring John Mark why for he is profitable for me in ministry don't miss this John Mark's is a beautiful comeback story someone who walked away who forsook and Paul said I'm through with you Paul said, I'm not taking you anywhere. I can't trust you. You're not going to be faithful. And hey, by the way, when you fail and you're ready to get back up and go back on for the Lord, there might be some good Christians, because I would call Paul a good Christian, who would say, no, I'm not giving you another opportunity. There'll be others like Barnabas who will say, you know what? You've fallen and you walked away, but I'm going to give you another shot. Don't be discouraged by those who say, I'm not giving you another opportunity. You continue on for the Lord. Come back, get back up, go back on. And later, Paul says, you know what? He gave up on me, and I wasn't willing to give him a second chance, but he proved me wrong, and now he's profitable for me in the ministry. Realistically, everyone fails publicly and or privately. Privately. By that I mean we all sin against God and others in word and or deed. Sometimes other believers count us out. But thank God for Bible examples like John Mark who demonstrated faithfulness by returning following a failure. He didn't get down and stay down. His is a beautiful reminder that you can be forgiven You can be restored and you can be profitable to others and god in ministry following a failure And praise god for barnabas He didn't count john mark out because he failed he displayed the the behavior paul wrote about in galatians 6 When paul wrote brethren if a man be overtaken in a fault ye which are spiritual restore such an one in the spirit of meekness That was Barnabas for John Mark, and that's the way we should be. Be faithful like John Mark. Be faithful like Barnabas, who will receive and restore those who return following a failure. Number six, they demonstrated faithfulness to serve without recognition. In verse 11, Paul introduces us to a man he calls Jesus, and and don't Don't read into that. This wasn't some, well, he was like Jesus. No, Jesus was actually a fairly common name, okay? His name was Jesus, also known as Justice, so we could call him Jesus Justice. That's fine. And Paul simply says of him he was of the circumcision. That means he was a Jew, converted to Christ, and he was a fellow worker for the kingdom of God. You say, Pastor, what else cool do we know about Jesus Justice? Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. So, what does he teach us about faithfulness? Faithfulness to serve without recognition. You know, oftentimes, those who profit others in God and ministry the most are those who are willing to do so without the expectation of recognition. God, help us to be a people who serve him faithfully, whether or not we get recognized. Paul wrote this in ephesians 6 6 and 7 not with eye service as men pleasers We're not doing this to be seen of men. We're not doing it to be recognized by men But as the servants of christ doing the will of god from the heart with goodwill doing services to the lord and not unto men Faithfulness to serve without the expectation of recognition Number seven. I know i'm moving fast, but I told you we wouldn't be here all night. Okay Faithful to keep my promises. Number seven, they demonstrated faithfulness to pray with fervency and zeal. Verses 12 and 13, we've already met Epaphras in Colossians, haven't we? Back in chapter one, Epaphras was the one who showed up in Rome to tell Paul about the Colossian church. Paul didn't plant the church of Col- at Colossae, Epaphras did. Epaphras was their pastor. He left for a time to go visit the Apostle Paul. And now as Paul writes back, he writes back of Epaphras that he's one of you. You know who I'm talking about. He has been there. He planted the church. He has served you. He's taught you. He's preached the word to you. But what did Paul say Epaphras was faithful to do? Pray for you. Paul says he labors fervently it's an emphatic word identifying an exertion of energy such as engaging in a fight Paul says he has a zeal for you. He prays well for you because he cares well for you Effective prayer friends is fervent prayer We need to be faithful to pray with fervency and zeal number eight Profitable partners are those who demonstrate faithfulness to devote to eternity. Verse number 14, first part of the verse, Luke, the beloved physician. Was Luke full-time vocational ministry? You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? That's the term we give to someone like me. I'm a pastor. I I serve the Lord in full-time ministry. It's what I'm paid to do. It's my employment. Was that Luke? No. Luke was a physician. Luke was a doctor. He, he was a Gentile. The only Gentile, by the way, to pen any portion of God's Word. All the other penmen of the Word of God, Old and New Testament, Jew. Luke was a Gentile. In Greek culture, doctor was a pretty primo place medicine was big in, in the greek civilization and culture and to be a physician to be a notable doctor well, was noteworthy and that was luke but do we know luke from history and from the word of god because of his great skill as a physician no he was trained and practiced as a medical doctor But what we know of luke is this he gave of himself his career and his life for christ in eternity I don't know how luke came to christ But when he did Though he was a physician. That's what he was trained to do. That's what what his life had been about Luke gave himself to the lord into eternity And it's a reminder to me And it should be to you that you don't have to be in full time vocational ministry to make a difference for eternity. Whatever you do, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might and do it for Christ, not for men. I love this. Luke was a layman, Luke was a, a volunteer. Luke was someone who partnered with the Apostle Paul, and he traveled a lot with the Apostle Paul, and he did what he could for the ministry, and God rewarded him by allowing him to be the one Gentile to pen any part of the Word of God. And we know him today, not because he was a great doctor, but because he was a great follower of Christ. Whatever your plan, whatever god's plan for your life, whatever your career path Open your heart to god allowing him to direct you and faithfully live devoted to him in eternity And then number nine and we'll close These profitable partners demonstrated faithfulness to finish the race I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach to this Because of what we read at the end of verse 14. Look at it And what? Demas. Greet you. Paul says nothing here beyond his name, Demas. The book of Philemon, which is one chapter, that Paul wrote at approximately the same time as Colossians. In fact, we believe that Tychicus and Onesimus, when they delivered the letter to the Colossians, at the same time they delivered the letter to Philemon. Why? Philemon was a member of the Colossian church. In fact, it's very likely and possible that the church met in Philemon's house. Onesimus that Paul uh, speaks of here in Colossians chapter 4 verse number 9 is who the entire book of Philemon is about because Onesimus was a slave to Philemon and had run away and Paul writes this letter to philemon encouraging philemon to receive onesimus back He's coming back to get right with you, but don't receive him as a slave receive him as a brother in christ and Paul mentions demas there as well and speaks of demas as a fellow laborer But then we read this in second timothy chapter four which records One of the saddest messages from first century Christianity. 2 Timothy 4, verse 10. Paul writes, For Demas hath, what? Forsaken me, having loved the present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. One of the saddest messages from first century Christianity that we have not just in the word of God, but historically speaking. Demas, who at the time of the writing of Colossians was with Paul in Rome. Demas, who had labored with the apostle Paul. Demas, who had yielded himself to God, to be used by God, to be used by God in ministry. Now, Paul says, he's forsaken me. The word literally means abandoned me. He's walked away from me. He's walked away from the ministry because of what? He loved the world. And don't miss this. The word loved there is the word agape. The same word that the Bible uses in such exalted terms to speak of the love of God. He loved the world. Speaking not of people, but of the philosophy, the system of the world. He loved the world's philosophy, its practice, and its pleasure. Demas had yielded himself to the Lord, to the work of God. Like John Mark, to a certain extent, had fallen. But at the time, years later, when Paul is getting ready to give his life for Jesus Christ, Demas, by that point, had abandoned the apostle Paul, had abandoned the work of God, had gone back to the world, and there is no record of him ever coming back. Now I want to be quick to point something out to you Paul nowhere says That demas was unsaved In fact, paul doesn't assume that Like sometimes we would have people Well, that just means he was never really saved Paul doesn't say that and he doesn't assume that In fact, the opposite is true. Paul assumes demas knew christ but he decided to give his life to the world rather than God What we see in demas is the demonstration of a person who truly believed But walked away from the ministry of serving God I want you to think for a few moments about demas with me who or what did demas hurt? he hurt the apostle paul I, I mean These these are the last words we have record of paul penning And he's thinking about demas who abandoned him He hurt the work of god Do you think that demas had some people around him who knew him who knew his testimony who saw How he had yielded his life to the lord was willing to go to rome with the apostle paul show up back in Thessalonica clearly with a love for the world Do you think that that hurt the work of God but more than anything else I'll tell you what Demas hurt he hurt himself Demas epitomizes the truth it's not about how you start and it's not even about how you do in the middle it's about how you finish Think about what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7 of himself, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And just three verses later, he writes, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. There's no record biblically, historically, or traditionally that Demas ever repented or was, and was restored. So we could say of Demas, Demas did not fight a good fight. He did not finish his course. He did not keep the faith. You say, Pastor, you said um, faithfulness to finish the race in a negative way Demas is an example to us of the positive quality of faithfulness to finish the race he did not do it but you and I can you you may get off to a rocky start You, you may have a failure somewhere along the way John Mark did But ultimately, it's not about how you start, and it's not even about how you do in the middle. Ultimately, your life story and testimony will be about how you finish. John Mark failed somewhere along the way, but that wasn't the last we heard of him. His is a beautiful comeback story. Paul got off to a rocky start, but that's not what we remember about the Apostle Paul. It's not about how you start it's not about how you do in the middle it's about how you finish can I encourage you no matter where you're at in your journey of following Jesus Christ be faithful to finish maybe you got off to a rough start maybe along the way there was a failure maybe you walked away for a time Maybe you've given it a thought Maybe there's been some failure that you've struggled to get over Maybe some other christians have even counted you out John mark came back and finished well demas We we don't think of him as a fellow worker We don't think of him as a fellow laborer with the apostle paul. What do we think of when we think of demas? He's forsaken me because he loved the world. It's not about how you start. It's not about how you do in the middle. Your lasting testimony will be about how you finish. So fight a good fight. Finish the course. Keep the faith. Through these examples, we've been challenged about faithfulness in nine different qualities. Friends, can I simply say in closing, faithfulness to God is what makes you profitable to Him and others in ministry. And we can all be faithful in these ways. We can all be profitable to God and others in ministry. Will you commit to faithfulness? That's the decision for each and every one of us tonight commit to faithfulness heavenly father thank you so much for these examples of faithfulness thank you for the reminder that ministry is not an individual endeavor and it is never done in a vacuum it is always done in cooperation and community with others among others for others and I pray as we think of these partners of the Apostle Paul who profited him but also profited you and the ministry that we would learn from their examples of faithfulness and work at committing to and applying these qualities of faithfulness to our own lives. Lord, Lord we're going to go into a new week tomorrow. Some of us are going to go back to a a job. Some of us into our routine of retirement. Some of us into different community uh, places that we're a part of day by day. Lord, I pray that through these walks of life, you would help us to demonstrate faithfulness to you and allow us to be beneficial to you and to others in ministry. And we'll be sure to praise and thank you for it in Jesus' name.